welcome to the Proper Mental Podcast. Normalising open and honest conversations about mental health by having open and honest conversations about mental health. Proper Mental Podcast. It's episode 47 and my guest this week is Dr. Ellie Harper and she specialises in human flow psychology which is what we're going to talk about today. It's a revolutionary approach to psychology and mental health and it's based on the only non-contradictory model for the mind and brain in the world. So there you go. That's a lot to chat about, right? Um, so yeah, me and Ellie know each other personally. We've been working together through my work for a few months. And over that time, we got to know each other, we become friends. And we've talked about a lot of this stuff before. Uh, we'd have a lot of deep conversations, you know, life, the meaning of life, mental health, work, all these important things. And I became really, really interested in Ellie's work. It's something very different. It's something I hadn't really heard much about before. But it covers a lot of topics that I had been the things that have been coming up in the podcast as I chat to other people you know it's all about how your brain works and how you can use that knowledge to connect to your true authentic self you know and what this means for your mental health and how we can kind of I suppose to take control of our lives and turn things around when things aren't going so good and as much as that is really really interesting it was also I also wanted to chat to Ellie I suppose because her her passion for this, for her work, and not just her work, but also like what she can do with her work, uh, really, really shines through. You know, she's got very, very infectious energy. She really works the system for herself. And um, yeah, she's just an all round lovely person. And it was important to me to kind of try and capture that on this episode. Because I think her system has the potential to help a lot of people. And it comes from a really good place. Genuinely, she wants to make a difference. She wants to help people. She sees that as her purpose. And that's lovely to hear her talk about that. Her own journey to finding this type of work is complicated, to, to say the least. It's not straightforward at all. And she found herself dealing with some pretty hard stuff to deal with that she talks about. A lot of this stuff is she's the first to admit of her own making and it's something that I really love about Ellie it's something I really respect her, respect her for is that she kind of owns stuff you know she made some decisions that took her to a pretty dark place and she owns those decisions you know she takes full ownership of it and she's really used that to kind of just to come back and to build something really really special and um, yeah I admire her for it I think she's awesome it's a really good chat you're gonna get a lot from it if you would like to know more about Ellie you can go to humanflowpsychologist.co.uk or you can find her on Instagram at Dr. Ellie Harper. I've also put in the links to this um, a link to do something called an intangible driver test, which is something that um, Ellie uses as part of her system to work out your intangible drivers, which kind of form the basis for how to build on that and how to start using using the system, using these drivers to go about things a bit differently in a more positive way. 
And uh, I did the test in the build-up for this, and I found it really, really interesting. So you do this test, it only takes about 10 minutes. It's, um, it's not very complicated at all. And it kind of tells you what your intangible drivers are or what they might be. It suggests what they might be. That's probably a better way to put it. Um, and then you get a series of videos that kind of explains them. And I must admit, when I first answered the, the quiz and I got the answers, I was a bit like, oh, you know, maybe that kind of could have be me, perhaps. When I watched the videos and everything is broken down and explained, it was absolutely fascinating when you start to learn about your behaviours and I suppose why you do them and how you can channel them for better. <laughs> it's, I'm trying not to spoil anything. It's very difficult to talk about without spoiling anything, but there's all Ellie's details. Go and do that test. Have a go. Give this episode a listen and I'd love to hear what you think of it. Uh, if you want to connect with me and let me know what you think of it, at Proper Mental Podcast on all the usual places. You can email me via my website, propermental.com. If you'd like to support the podcast, head to buymeacoffee.com slash propermental. The link to this is in my Instagram bio. Um, you can just buy me a coffee, which chucks me a couple of quid, and that allows me to keep funding the podcast, keep going it, keep um, having these conversations and putting them out there. And if you want to support me in non-financial ways, please jump onto iTunes and you can rate or review the podcast, uh, which helps me get up the iTunes charts. It helps me get this podcast into more ears. And the more people that hear it, the more people that could possibly benefit from it. That's my plug. That's my sales pitch. This is episode 47 of the Proper Mental Podcast with Dr. Ellie Harper. Thank you very much for listening. Enjoy. So here we are with another episode of the Proper Mental Podcast, and I'm joined today in person by the human flow psychologist, Dr. Ellie Harper. How are you, mate? I'm really good. Thank you, Tom. Thank you for having me. Oh, mate, thank you for joining me. Thank you for joining me. Um, I kind of think to put a bit of context on this conversation, I should say that we are recording in person and in my studio in New Brighton, and unfortunately that's not a podcast studio that's my work studio my <laughs> my day job my empire hasn't expanded to that quite yet um but that's how we know each other right so we've been doing some work together as part of my day job for i don't know a few months yeah maybe about three months or yeah so. something like that yeah. and over that time we've got to know each other quite well i think it's i think we can say we're friends yeah yeah, yeah. Nice. Oh, i think Aww. if you was my friend tom definitely oh, <laughs> mate, i like that um yeah so and over that over the those three months we've been chatting a lot about life and you know stuff and a lot of mental health stuff we have that in common and it seemed like a really interesting and natural step to record a conversation about it I think and particularly your work around around the subject yes. so that's what we're going to do today yes awesome I can't wait ah sick man so um before we get into human flow psychology can we start with you mate mm -hmm. can we like rewind a little bit because sure. I think the um I think the the why sets up the how, or the how sets up the why, or whichever way we wanna we wanna do it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, let's go back to what was it that led you to psychology in the first place? How did you start walking down this road at the start of it? Yeah, yeah. So, um, really, it goes back to kind of my college days. So, um, when I was actually looking to um, study my A levels, gosh, we're talking quite a few years ago now. Once I am. Um, <laughs> 
Um, I, I just wanted to, to study something new um, and it, I just thought psychology sounded interesting. Um, you know, I feel like I've always been uh, quite a people person um, and I'm just kind of interested in, in other people and in, in human beings and how we work and all that kind of thing. So so that's where it started and I just I just kind of found it fascinating right from right from the from the off um, and uh, yeah, just really very quickly fell in love with uh, sort of trying to understand human beings, how we work, what makes us tick. Um, and so when I then kind of came to, to, to going to university and picking what to study at undergraduate level, it was a no-brainer for me kind of at that point. Um, and, and, and yeah, you know, loved it at, at, at university as well. And I think that... I always, you know, kind of knew from that point that I wanted to have some sort of career in psychology. Um, but you may be aware there's many different branches of psychology yeah, sure, and yeah. I kind of got a bit overwhelmed for a while trying to figure out what was going to be the right path for me within psychology. Um, and it kind of went on the back burner for a little bit. And I did all sorts of all sorts of random jobs uh, in the interim for kind of about five or six years between doing my undergraduate psychology degree and then uh, finally taking the plunge and going back to do my doctorate. Um, but yeah, so 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 I did, and at that point, I, I actually did I did a doctorate in counselling psychology. I knew that where I wanted to be was, you know, kind of helping other people. Um, mm. And I really like the philosophy of counselling psychology. There's a lot of stuff about kind of humanism in there and, you know, sort of really, you know, kind of focusing on the person and trying to understand them and where they're, they're coming from. And, I, you know, I like that, the kind of philosophy that came along with that. But the short answer to your question is that, that I got into psychology just out of a, a genuine, genuine desire to help people. I've always had a very deep sense of my purpose in that respect, that I am here on this earth to help other people so i've always been kind of trying to find the way that that i can i can do that and live that out yeah sure i suppose that ties in yeah with the counseling psychology as opposed to like what are the is there how many types are there? Is there oh, long? gosh. Well, yeah, I mean, yes, there's, I mean, the kind of main branches, you have, yeah, so most people have maybe heard of clinical psychology, then you have um, educational psychology, um, uh, occupational psychology, um, the sports and exercise psychology, right, you yeah. know, there's organisational psychology, there's all, there are all different branches, kind of, I'm talking more about the kind of formal training routes, yeah, sure. um, if you like, um, and then but you know, you know, psychology is just such a such a broad, um, such a broad area that there's all sorts of other other kind of break off bits and people that identify as being other types of psychologists as well. You yeah, know, so sure. it, you can it, find your own like uh, way within the field, right? Which is kind of what you've done, I suppose. Which is now what I've done. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> sure. so how long did it take to become a psychologist? How long were you at uni, and how long was your doctorate and stuff like that? Yeah, so um, so for me, it was uh, seven seven years training in total. So it was three years for my undergraduate degree. Then when I decided that I was going to do my doctorate, the requirements to get onto that course meant that um, I needed to do some kind of uh, evening classes in, in more on the counselling skills side of things. So I spent a year doing that, and then it was three years on the doctorate as wow. well. 
Yeah, a yeah. long time, eh? Yeah. Yeah, a yeah. long time. Yeah. yeah. And did you go straight into the NHS from there? Is that how it worked? Yes. So then, uh, yes, yeah, so I wondered, I, it must have been 2013, I think, I qualified. Um, and then I had, I held various posts and um, both in kind of university and research settings but also in the NHS and so the bulk of my experience was um, in general adult mental health you know so that's re really really broad base of experience you know it covers all sorts of different things you never quite know who's gonna kind of walk through your door next and um, um, you know so that was really interesting in terms of the diversity and the, the, the range of of, of, of people and some really really lovely lovely souls that I, I met during kind of that time um and then I also kind of held sort of more specialist posts over the years as well so I, I did a lot of work with uh, people with personality disorders and um also in perinatal services so where the focus was mainly on uh, uh, helping women kind of through their transition to motherhood Right, yeah. 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 And did when you were working for the NHS, did you feel that that kind of you mentioned before that need, you know, your purpose to help people. Did that did that satisfy that need? Did you feel that that's what you were getting from it? This is a great question, Tom. <laughs> I love it when someone says that. It's my favorite thing. <laughs> so, um yeah, so looking back, actually, it's um, it, I've done a lot of reflecting on this, and the the truth is, for me personally, that over over time, while there was you know things in all my in my in all the posts that I've held and the work that I've done that you know I've found interesting, um, and I've really valued in terms of the experience it's given me, um, what I found over time was that I kind of grew this feeling of kind of restlessness of unease um of frustration of dissatisfaction and i felt it um one of the things that i think you've kind of started to to learn more about about me is that i i, I vibe things a lot i am a, I, I describe myself as a big viber so i often pick up on on feelings you know not just my own feelings and emotions but the feelings of people around me as well and you know I think part of this kind of growing sense of unease that I had was that I was just you know like just vibing a, a lot of things from kind of the people that I was working with both in terms of my colleagues and my clients as well and it just really started to unsettle me and there was lots of different things bothering me so I could see how that you know, some people seem to do really well in therapy and other people didn't. And I had this experience myself of, um, you know, some sessions with people, it was like we would just kind of click and the sessions would flow and, you know, they'd make gains quite quickly and I'd find that really energising. Um, but then other times I'd like kind of have clients and kind of felt like no matter what I tried or you know how I was trying to help them it felt like a it felt like an uphill struggle yeah, you know yeah. and, and that just that baffled me I was like why you know why am I able to connect with some people and not with with others um, and I could also see that um, you know sometimes people would kind of leave therapy and they'd be feeling better and then 
I don't know, maybe six months down the line, they experience, uh, you know, a, a difficult life event or, you know, some sort of challenge and they're back in a hole again and they need to come back. And I kind of feel like that's sort of been normalised in some ways that we should kind of expect to struggle sometimes and have to to kind of keep going back for help. But that did not sit well with me at all. Yeah. I really felt like we are missing something here. It, you know, if, you know, why is it that we, we're not giving people the tools to not only get out of a hole, but then go forward with their lives, gaining energy, feeling fulfilled, feeling that, you know, kind of they, you know, they, they know, um, uh, um, how how to how to take care of themselves, how to help themselves, um, how to c- continue growing, and how to kind of like live in their in their truth and in their purpose, yeah. and just over time, that in all honesty became became quite soul destroying. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, and yeah. I, you're not the first person I've spoke to who has worked in the NHS and found certain aspects of the mental health side of things like frustrating. And obviously, we're not going to sit and bag the NHS. It's amazing, of course it is, but there's all, there is limits, you know. And um, yeah, I've talked, I've spoke to other people who have been frustrated by the kind of one hat fits all approach, particularly in the mental health thing. And it's interesting as well that you mentioned trying to get people to a better place. So if I compare it to like my 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 day job, right? So I'll compare stuff to that because it'll help me kind of understand a bit more of what you're of what you're saying but like with conventional rehab with like physical stuff in the fitness world most conventional rehab wants to get you back to where you were but where you were is where you got injured in the first place right so if you can get someone back past that point then they're less likely to get injured again and it's the same kind of thing isn't it it's like we don't want to get you back to where you were because that's where you got poorly so we're going to send you out into the same environment you can't heal in the same environment that made you sick without the necessary tools to navigate that environment. And yeah, you can kind of see why people keep falling back, can't you, if that is the that is the case. And I yeah, I imagine that would be very um very frustrating, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's just one of one of the one of the reasons why I love talking to you, Tom, because I feel, you know, kind of through the conversations that we've had over the last few months, I feel like that I know you're you know you're working in a different environment but with all your kind of like you know movement stuff and the physical side of things I think we're kind of like you're onto it with the same kinds of principles you know you you want people to to not just get back to where they were but to you know kind of get better than they were before and not have to keep coming back to you you know they can go off and you know enjoy it and do it for themselves and that's what I want like for psychology as well that like empowerment is really really huge and i you know i've spent a lot of time in therapy over the last couple of years and just having my therapist always had like that approach you know he used to say to he said to me once he said look at the moment you're drowning i'm gonna get you to a point where you can get your head above water and just grab a breath and then i'm gonna teach you how to swim and then i'm gonna teach you how to fly that's what he said to me and when people have that when you're when you can't see an escape from what you're going through, when you're really struggling and someone has that amount of like confidence in, in you to be able to look after you, that's like, that's huge, you know? And it can take a while 
to even see that in yourself. So when you have someone else point it out and say like, you know, you can you can do better, you can be okay, and I'm gonna, you know, I'm not just gonna tell you what to do. I'm gonna show you so you can do it yourself. That's like that's powerful stuff. I think when you when you're struggling, when you're really um up against it, you know, when you feel like in a hole, as you'd say, you know, or yeah. fighting a losing battle. I think that's huge, huh? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And I think you just touched on another th- point that I th- feel is really, really important as well, is that um, it took me to end up in a pretty deep hole myself and, to, you know, to actually have to go through that process of healing myself and figure out, as you say, I love what you just said there about, you know, first of all, you need to float let's stop drowning <laughs> then then learn how to swim and then learn how to fly I love that like and I feel like I've you know I've figured out that process through through both through my own experience and through understanding through new um through new knowledge and information that I've learned over the last uh, year or so um but I, I feel like it's only through kind of having been through that process of healing myself first am I now fully able to help other people yeah. um and yeah like I think that's so important yeah very much so like that kind of I don't know like this again something that comes up on this podcast a lot is people talking about different experiences of therapy and have that process of trying to find the therapist that's the right fit for you you know it's like a good pair of shoes or you know like you've got to find that fit and you might not find it first time but something that a lot of people say as well is you can be um academically trained to understand someone that's suffering with you know depression or anxiety or some of these things or you know and you can still have compassion you can still have empathy that you know but there are people who have got their own lived experience and you know some there is a difference in that isn't it you know there is a difference to someone who's trying to help someone and you know what they've been through because you've been through it or been through your own version of it because it's all all different or not having been it through it at all you are going to have a different look at it does that make sense i feel like i kind of waffled a little bit yeah no no yeah but yeah lived experience is huge shared experience relatability even in the people that you're going to for help yeah it's really really important as well yeah yeah so you spend all those years um studying you go into the nhs it starts to get a little uncomfortable can we talk about what happened and how you ended up in that hole in the first place sure yeah yeah um so so yeah so you know I'd kind of got to this point as I said where you know I you know I sort of just felt like I'd really lost my spark and and you know I was you know I was kind of going to work and you know kind of finding it hard to remember you know you know why am I here you know what what am I doing you know yeah and you know it was that was really really difficult and then yeah back in 2018 um a chain of events started that really just uh, turned my my life as I knew it upside down. Um, so, while I was working in the in the NHS, um, I entered a, a personal relationship with a client. And looking back now, um, I can really see that I was in a place of low self esteem, but I just didn't have that that awareness at the time and um, it was almost like I kind of just suddenly woke up and realized that this path I'd been walking this route that I was going down just wasn't my own it was you know kind of based 
on what I thought I should be doing, what I felt I was expected to do. And I just had this kind of realization that I wasn't wasn't being true to myself. So, you know, I made some some big changes. I uh, ended my marriage. I, I left my position in the NHS. Um, and yeah, I'd never felt really a kind of stronger connection than I did um, to this person. And he he ended our relationship about 18 months later. Um, I was heartbroken at the time. Um, and the, the Healthcare Professions Council, who regulates certain um, branches of psychology, um, they, they carried out an investigation and um, ultimately uh, struck me off their register. So, yes, those kind of, that period of, I would say, two years um, was absolutely the most sort of challenging period of my life um and you know I you know I, I went on this huge kind of journey of growth and transformation through that um and I feel like it's also just been you know the catalyst for for, for really significant personal growth and as I said I feel like I'm actually in a better position now in terms of being able to to help people um than I than I was before having been through that um and if it's okay with you I'd just like I'd like to share one kind of part of that in particular because I feel like it was a really really pivotal yeah, kind of, of turning yeah, for point it, yeah. for me so basically when I was you know you know I, I you know I use this analogy of kind of being stuck in the bottom of a hole so when I you know I'm sitting there in this hole you know that you know hands up I've you know I've dug for myself and you know I I, I knew I was struggling I knew that I needed help and I just kind of felt a, a bit of a loss as to where to where to, to go for help. I did kind of over kind of at my worst worst point probably about 18 months ago now, I reached out to my GP several times and um the advice they were lovely, you know, really, really kind, um, you know, lovely, lovely um uh doctors that I spoke to but the advice was what I expected you know to I was prescribed medication antidepressants and and anti-anxiety medication um and they said you know we'll we'll refer you for therapy on the NHS well for me personally I just didn't feel settled by these options at all so with the medication I just I knew that that, that wasn't the the, the road for me to take I knew that that wasn't going to give me the answers and it made me think about like what am I actually trying to figure out here yes I know I'm struggling yes I know I'm in a hole but I want the answers to these big questions I want these answers to who am I what is my purpose how did I get in how hole? did I get here I knew yeah exactly like I knew what had happened I had a sense of why it had happened but how I was like I was like, how, you know, I'd kind of, it just eluded me, baffled me. And I knew it was linked as well to this kind of, this underlying kind of yearning, if you like, or kind of this, you know, frustration and, and ease that I'd be, been feeling over the years. Had you been over the years, had you been pushing that down, Ellie? Had that been kind of like, you know, like you you knew you had that unease, but weren't sure what to do about it? Or like, was it just a, you know, one of those you know, oh, I'll get round to, you know, feeling these feelings later. I've got too much to do. Or like, how does that? <laughs> it 
almost it kind of it's it's strange because I you know looking back I know that those feelings were there but it was almost like I wasn't kind of I wasn't kind of consciously aware of it and it came out in you know it would come out in different in different ways but I wasn't I wasn't consciously aware of it and I think you know the tendency was to just you know when those feelings did start niggling you know just to try and distract or you know sweep modern life's the, good for that yeah isn't it yeah, yeah you know there, there was lots of kind of looking back lots of sweeping under the carpet and just trying to kind of muscle over things and again you know as I said it kind of feels like it, I was just in this sleepwalking thing and I had just hadn't hadn't kind of woken up to actually you know mm. what was what was going on and then you know when I was in the bottom of this hole <laughs> you know you know my career as I knew it you know was was over you know you know marriage ended you know you know f having you know feeling quite severely depressed and anxious and I've never uh you know that was the first time I'd kind of you know sort of struggled in that way um and yeah I was just like I I need to figure out if I I still had this connection to that 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 spark never went fully out right you know I it was still there I was like no I know I know that I'm here to serve I know that I'm here to help I believe in the human spirit I've you know I've seen countless examples of people overcoming you know you know remarkable challenges and obstacles and I was like if you really want to help people Ellie you've got to you've got to figure this out you've got to get these answers because otherwise how are you going to be able to help other people so I knew that you know medication wasn't the way that I wanted to go but it was so interesting when I you know for the first first time kind of you know was referred for therapy on the NHS and you know it's like well well surely you know surely go for therapy you know like you've been doing giving other people therapy for best part of 10 years like go for therapy you know surely that will help and the, those uneasy feelings just like totally came to the surface and I had to you know now I was now I was consciously aware now I was like wow okay this has been around for a long time and I need to figure this out and now that you know at the time it kind of sent me spiraling a bit kind of more at first because I, I was just like you know where do I, you know, where, how do I figure this out? Um, you know, a new, you know, and, and now that um, kind of the information that I have learned over the last year, I now understand how the human mind and brain works. And what I now understand is these feelings were coming from my unconscious brain. And one of the, one of the things that's really important to know about our unconscious brain is that it can't process contradictions, okay? So, if you think about it, this, this was an example of a huge contradiction for me. If I wasn't going to go for therapy because I didn't believe that was the meaningful help that I needed, yeah. then what the hell did that say about the therapy I'd been offering people yeah, for the yeah. last 10 years? It's like asking you to go back into the, ask for help from the very system that kind of you know, started to cause this in the first place, right? Yeah. Yes, yeah. So, you know, and, and this is one of the things that I now do with people is help them to figure out when, or to notice when they've got contradictions and how to how to fix those, you know, how to, how to um, uh, dissolve those. And 
especially the whoppers. I like to call I like to I like to look for people's whoppers when it comes to contradictions. And so for me that was a real whopper. It was, was the, something the whopper of all whoppers. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um and you know, so 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 I was like, right, well, you know, I I basically once I'd come to that realization, I just made a promise to myself. I was like I, I know how to get out of this hole. I can get out of the hole. Like I've been helping other people to do that. You know, I can, I can, I can get out of the hole. Yeah. But I just made a promise to myself that if I get out of this hole, there is no way on earth I am ever falling back in. I am going to crack this. I am going to find these answers and figure out how to help myself so I can help people not just get out of the hole, but as you as you said, fly. I call it kind of going up the mountain, you know, yeah. so you're not at, at, at risk of falling back in. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and that's what, what I've been able to do. Oh, man. <laughs> so how did that, I'm, a, I'm assuming that, um, you know, that process along the way, you discovered this whole thing about flow that we're going to talk about shortly. Yes. How did you, before we get into it, like what it is and how it works. Yes. How did that, how did you discover it? How did it come into your life? Well, this is, I'm going to write a whole book on this, actually. So I, I'll give you, I'll give you the short version. Yeah, leave out the, the other yes. bits. Yeah. <laughs> but um, basically, I, you know, I just started exploring things. So I knew that I had all this, uh, you know, knowledge and theory and all these different applications that I'd learned through psychology. And I started looking at what could be missing. And, you know, I went kind of a bit more kind of down the more spiritual route, I would say. So I started looking into things like meditation, yoga, breath work. Um, I was looking, uh, you know, reading about people who um, work with energy. Um, I, you know, was looking at, uh, into kind of like the, the plant medicine side of things. And, you know, I thought there's, there's something we're missing here. And so I started exploring all these other avenues to see if I could, could figure that out. And through that, I actually came in touch um, with uh, uh, an absolute um, beautiful, beautiful soul, a chap called Colin Stevenson, um, who, um, who of all things, uh, did a tarot reading for me. Really? Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, and I'd never done anything like that before in my life. I just came across him online. I liked his energy. I liked his vibe. I was like, this guy's got something, um, you know, that I'm, you know, that I like, that I'm interested in. So I did this tarot reading and it wasn't anything like what I expected at all. And he just had, he just had loads of energy and he kind of clicked into who I was right away. And I felt that and I was like, this guy's onto something. And uh, it turns out that he had been working uh, with um, a company called Flowcess over in America when he found out I was a psychologist, his eyes kind of lit up and he was like, I think you're going to be really interested in this stuff I've been learning about. Would right. you be interested? Um, and I, you know, he told me a little bit about it. Uh, and he put me in touch with uh, John Lenhart, who, um, uh, 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 um, who uh, yeah, works with, uh, works with Flosas. John has been my mentor for the last year. Um, super, super um, intelligent, 
um, guy, uh, in my opinion, one of the greatest minds uh, on the planet at the moment. Um, and he, th him and his, uh, his team at FlowSess, over the last 20 years or so, they have um, done uh, lots of research and developed a, a non-contradictory model for the human mind and brain. And this model has at its core understanding a person's uniqueness okay so our uniqueness is is who we are right okay. like your true authentic self exactly that exactly that you know we hear this a lot don't we people talking about you know being your authentic self i'm obsessed with it yeah. I, I mention it on this podcast every other every other <laughs> week but certain things i find keep coming up no matter who I speak to, no matter what their their story is, their background, you know, and quite a lot of people that have been poorly with one thing or another, there's a big disconnect between, you know, who they want to be or who they can be and what they end up doing. A bit like your sleepwalking analogy, you know, when you're going through the motions of life. And yeah. um, I know that was certainly a a huge factor in in me being unwell because I kind of lost sight of myself you know and I got so far away from it and I was pretending to be so many you know I had so many different faces for different situations I, was, I forgot I, well I didn't even know I didn't even know what the real one was you know so yeah anything that can uh, yeah help us be more authentic live in a more authentic way yes. then um, yeah I love the idea of I love the idea of that yes. so is that step one when someone comes to you is to find their own uniqueness yes yes yeah a hundred percent that is that that's that's always always my first step so and you know the way that I kind of um you know get people thinking about this is to you know just first of all kind of like ask them who are you and that's a very big question I know <laughs> isn't it just yeah. isn't it just can we break that down like how do we get inside a uh, who are you? How do we start to piece that together? Yes. Okay. Well, I'll just say, so usually when I say say that people, you know, either will tell me their name or they'll tell me their job or yeah. I'm a mum or I'm a dad. Or, that's what I'd say. I'd yeah. say I'm, a, I'm a dad. I'm a husband. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'd you say. know, and, th and so those are your, those are your, those are roles that are important to you, you know, for sure. But that doesn't to me get to the truth of who you are. So the first thing that I do is help people to understand um, the three core components of their uniqueness. So the first one is um, their intangible driver, okay? So if I can break this down a little bit, there are seven intangible drivers. Everybody has a unique why which is their 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 motivation you know their in, their intrinsic motivation this is the effect that they want to have on other people on the rest of of the world right if you like okay and everybody has a unique how so this is the way that we connect with other people this is how we go about achieving that effect right okay, okay. yeah so what we want and how we get it yes kind of. yes yeah, yeah. Lovely. Yeah, exactly. So to give you an example of that, I'm a compassion server. Compassion is my why, server is my how. So compassion means that the effect that I want to have on others is that I want to bear their pain 
so that they can grow okay that you know how I said that I'm a vibe this suddenly when I learned more about what it means to be a compassion person I was like okay like you know, this makes sense this makes a lot <laughs> of sense because I feel so much I I'm I you know but I you know I, I pick up on other people's pain so that's you know when I meet other compassion people you know uh, you know one of my kind of like disaster check questions will be like you know when you walk into a room and you kind of like do you automatically know who's in the most pain or do you tend to be drawn towards people in pain that's you know a good indicator of yeah, being a yeah. compassion person my server how means that the way that I do that, the way that I bear people's pain is by filling needs. So um, I, and it's one of the really interesting things about, about being a server actually is that if you're a server, you can actually move between all seven of the intangible drivers depending on what the need is at the time. Right, so you can adapt to suit the person that you're working with. Yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And so servers can kind of come across as chameleons, you know, that they might look um, kind of like like different versions depending on who it is that they're interacting with yeah, and who yeah. they're who they're who they're, they're talking talking to. So you know, basically, I learned more about my uniqueness first. The, the, these intangible drivers, as I said, there are seven. There's a you know, there's a very very brief test that I do with people to determine their intangible drivers that only takes a few minutes um, and then I know immediately like how to how to connect with that person right, in a yeah, way that, yeah. that speaks to their uniqueness straight away so I know that a little while ago you did the the intangible driver test yeah, yeah. and I, I know we haven't talked about it kind of too much but i'll just say one thing so you came out server server um which essentially is is, is superman so kind of fill it. It. <laughs> <laughs> thank you <laughs> you know fill it filling needs for the sake of filling needs so um so one of the things you know um you know with um, you know, now, you know, knowing that you're a server, so one of the things that servers tend to struggle with is being overwhelmed. But because, let's face it, there's a lot of needs. Yeah. yeah <laughs> there's yeah. a lot of needs. And, you know, one of the things that servers uh, struggle with is kind of being overwhelmed by all these different needs and experiencing burnout because, you know, they're kind of, you know, trying to, you know, trying to fill all these needs. Now, the other thing is that the that servers get totally drained by having to do something okay so say you know I, you know i came in and said you know like tom you have to give me like six sessions of movement coaching that probably wouldn't you know no i'd say i don't have to fucking do anything mate. yeah exactly exactly, yeah, say, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> whereas if i came in and meet you and i say Tom, like, I'm just really, like, struggling at the moment, you know, I feel like, um, you know, I need to kind of build, you know, some strength and flexibility and develop my range of movement. How would that make you feel? Yeah, yeah, like I'd want to help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. So this is one of the first key things that I, that I, that I help servers to understand about themselves, that they respond to needs they feel naturally energized by needs mm. and when somebody tells them to do something says they have to do something that like that yeah, sinks their energy yeah. straight no, that away. makes a lot of um 
a lot of sense yeah, yeah. these drivers is yeah. that then just a mixture of nature and nurture is that you know like if i'm a server server yes. is that just a mixture of um you know like dna luck and the life that i had or like where did those where did the seven come from okay so i be- i believe that that the, there are there are that this is this is who we are in our soul okay so i believe that there are you know there are essentially seven types of of solemn you know we each have the kind of why and the how this came i believe that this came before you were physically here this was how you existed as a kind of energy right yeah, energy yeah. field kind of if you like so you just arrive into it before. when you arrive into the world right yes okay. yeah and and that's it's a really interesting point that you've made there because a lot this is this is this isn't this isn't a personality test okay so where you were saying there about you know is it a mixture of kind of nature and nurture so you know and this is you know in psychology you know there's all these different theories about personality and all these different personality tests and so forth your personality is the behavior that you do in response to your context it's about the interaction between you and your your context so this was another thing that bothered me about psychology was that you know because i worked in you know these personality services and so forth people's personality can change so and i mean mean, it probably should like as we journey through life it's probably inevitable that it changes in some way isn't it yeah yeah but you know you you can do a personality test and come out as you know one result uh, and then six months later you you know things might have changed you're in a different environment and you can do it again and it'll come out another result and i know plenty of people that have done you know the same personality test several times and have had a different result every time doesn't get to the core of who you are okay yeah and i'll just drop this one in as well so that when you actually look at the word personality and where that comes from it comes from the latin word persona which means mask okay right yeah so i see our personality as the mask that we put on essentially right in depending on the the situation or yeah, the context. Yeah, yeah. Well that makes that makes sense. Yeah. And there's yeah. a lot of um evolutionary reasons why we have various masks in you know like that have served us well, you know, yes. as part of the evolutionary process for different reasons. Yes. So yeah, that makes loads of sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas this thing with our uniqueness that never changes. That always stays the same. The thing behind the thing that's what is behind the mask that is the truth of who i am i will or my personality might change in different contexts and different environments environments i will always be compassion server yeah okay and it's and this is and the other thing to note with the difference here is that a person it's not that there's no value in personality tests that's not what i'm saying at all but you know personality tests will will tell you kind of how to slow down um, or prevent the loss of energy and mm. that can be really important you know if you're looking for kind of like quick wins in a particular you know i just need to be able to to you know to focus better at work or whatever or you know you know personality tests can give you some some information about how to slow down and prevent the loss of energy your uniqueness once you understand that and you can master that that is going to tell you how you naturally gain energy 
okay so again the personality side of things about helping you to get out of a hole uniqueness about helping you get up the mountain when you know your uniqueness and you understand that you can embrace it and you can gain unlimited energy going forward right okay so we work out intangible drivers yes we've got a how we've got a why yes what's next what's the next step to you know doing something with that like how do we action that you know once we kind of see because like i i did test like you say and um when I kind of first read the paragraph that gets back, I was like, yeah, kind of all right. Yeah, get it. Kind of makes sense. But then I watched the videos with a more detailed explanation. And that's yeah. when I went kind of, oh, yeah, like you're talking about me here. I get this, you know, I, I could I could feel that, um, yeah, there was lots of stuff in there that was very, very relatable to, to me and how I would behave in certain situations. Yes. Yeah. So what? how do we then start to harness this stuff, okay. you know? And I'm thinking yeah. in particularly... Um, with regards to mental well-being you know like when we're when we're in a bit of a hole you know maybe when we are stuck in a a situation that we we feel a bit lost in and you know when life's heavy and stuff like that how can we start to apply this stuff what comes next okay so so yeah so so i basically i've broken this down now into a three-phase process right um which um uh, is uh, which takes between 12 and 16 weeks in total to complete. So step one, understand your uniqueness. I cover the intangible drivers. Uh, I also cover um, picture perspective and, and processing perspective. Could we talk about that a little bit? Because I sure. found that really, really interesting yeah. as well. Yeah, the difference yeah. between um, like big picture and small picture. Is that the two? Um, yes. Yeah. So yes. What's, what's, how do you describe that to people? Okay, so our picture perspective, again, is how... Um, Uh, Remember, it's a component of our uniqueness and our uniqueness is all about how we gain energy. So in terms of our picture perspective, this is how we view the world. And um, people are either small picture or big picture. Okay. So I just want to make sure that I'm clear on this, that we can both, we can all do both, Uh but this is about where we naturally gain energy. Yeah, sure. So I'm a big picture person. So what that means is that I gain energy when I'm looking at things in terms of kind of broader perspectives, looking at the relationships between things or more abstract uh, concepts. So if you said uh, the word dog to me, I'm likely to think first about where is the dog? What's it doing? Who's it with? You know, the the bigger picture. And that energizes me. A small picture person naturally gets energized by looking more into the detail of things um so if i said the word dog to a small picture person they're more likely to immediately think about um what's the dog's name what color is it what breed is it right yeah drill down into the the detail yeah Yeah. and there are different levels of each of the picture perspectives so that's another thing that i help people to understand straight away um and again that was just another kind of light bulb moment for me when i understood that about myself i was like yeah of course i'm big picture <laughs> like, yeah. you know whether and remember this applies across context yeah well to, to throw some context on it actually yeah. when we were talking about it if you look at my work i love coaching people i'll do anything to get out of writing up the notes from the coaching <laughs> session so that'll take me an afternoon i'll be putting the kettle on checking my phone walking around the kitchen playing with the kids and you know like a two-hour job might take me like five hours but i'll coach 
all day. You know, you have yeah. to like crowbar me out of here yes. to do the big stuff, but I don't like writing up the notes. And when you were talk when we were talking about that and that example came up, that sort of helped me to understand it. But it also made me think like, oh yeah, that's exactly what I am, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But that's a really, really interesting insight because once you know these things, you can start to kind of and I think we're gonna get to it anyway, but you can start to build your life in slightly different ways right so you can do more of the stuff you want to do and yes. less of the stuff that you don't yes yes so you know you said you know once you know this information what do, what do, you know what do you do with it so you know I'd help you you know say you're my client I'd help you to figure out kind of just how big picture you are because there are kind of different levels of it um and and then you know think about just some some ways that you know straight away you can start implementing to help you gain energy in your big picture and to prevent you from losing energy when you need to do small picture tasks because you know sometimes we need to do small picture stuff you yeah, know? yeah but I'm I'm the same as you on that front so one of the things for example that you know um you know um um you know that that might help you is when you have to do small picture. Uh, tasks like writing your notes um, you know two things one would be to not do the the kind of thing that we, we we tend to do and put put it off put it off put it off so that then we've got like you know a week's worth of notes to write yeah, yeah. you know actually you know you split it up chunk it so that you're just you're kind of dipping in and out of the small picture stuff yeah that's going to be less draining for you but then actually when you you are sitting down to do it intentionally remind yourself how this small picture task relates to the bigger picture right yeah so you know why is this important can't have one without the for, other right for yeah this, this for this person or yeah. this client that i'm working with and just notice you you likely find that that helps you to to get your energy back mm. so where i am on the picture perspective i can take two or three steps towards the small picture before i feel drained um but when i do need to you know when i am starting to feel feel drained i notice that and i you know i, I can either go and work on a big picture task for a little bit to help get my energy back or i can just remind myself this is how this this detail fits in with the bigger picture and that helps me to feel energized again as yeah, well yeah yeah so so yeah so so that you know it's about once you understand this about yourself there were just you know straight away you know in that early phase i will help people just think about things that they practical applications that they can do right away to right. start embracing their uniqueness so they start uh, so they can gain more energy mm. um yes so yeah <laughs> I'm not sure if I answered. Yeah, that no, you did. Yeah, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, we're on it. So we've got intangible drivers. We yeah. work out the picture perspective. So on yeah. your website, it's understanding uniqueness, and then yes. we move into building resiliency. Yes. And this really interested me because I think that a lot of people's definition of resiliency um, can, you know, it can be quite different. Um, yeah. So when you talk about helping someone build resiliency, what do you mean by it? Okay. Okay. Right. I love this. Um, so for me, this phase two is the getting out of the whole step. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yes. So I'll give you, I'm going to share with you an analogy. So when I'm helping, helping people to understand who they are and also how their, their brain works, um, 
I say to people that you can imagine yourself as being the driver of a car, okay? So we've talked about the intangible drivers. You are an intangible driver. You are a unique mind or soul and you are driving a car. The car is your physical brain, right? okay? So our physical brain is um, 10% conscious, this is where all our thoughts, memories, imagination are, and we have direct access to that. So if you were in a car, this would be the equivalent of your steering wheel, the pedals, the brake, yeah. you know, the uh, windscreen wipers, etc. Our unconscious brain is 90% of our brain, and this is where all our energy comes from it's where all our behavior comes from it's where all our sexual attraction comes from this is like the engine of the car you know this is what you know kind of you know powers it and yeah, and yeah. moves it forward but you don't have direct access to it okay yeah. so just like when we're in a car we're you know we're supposed to use the bit we have direct control over our conscious brain to um to operate our unconscious brain yeah sure yeah, to get you know kind of the the engine moving in the right direction so um so within this resiliency phase um i help people to understand how their brain actually works and within within this um framework there are there are four human thought processes and the thought processes relate to whether you as a unique mind are operating your brain or whether you are allowing another part of your brain to take charge of the steering wheel right okay okay yeah so there are these four these four thought processes um, and in this re resiliency phase um, I cover all of those four thought processes and I help people to repair uh, damage in these different uh, thought processes in these different areas of their of their brain so this is basically Resiliency to me is learning how to stop crashing your car. Yeah. <laughs> so when we're not, you know, again, it c comes back to the alignment thing as well. When we're not living in our uniqueness, we're not living in alignment with who we are. Um, you know, we we end up crashing, and that's what you know. That's when we have problems. You know, whether it's anxiety, depression, you know, trauma. You know, I, I cover trauma in this phase. Trauma actually does damage to. Um, three our amygdalae which is the the um the kind of fight or flight part of our brain we have to repair damage there it does damage to our unconscious brain we have to repair damage there and it does damage to our conscious brain as well we have to repair damage in all those three areas right. um you know i think i touched on you know i'm just sort of trying to relate this to some common yeah, difficulties please, yeah. that, that people that people uh you know have depression you know obviously um a, a, a huge a huge problem you know i touched on this like when you understand how your unconscious brain works essentially what depression um what depression is is your unconscious brain draining all your energy 
and it does that in response to um, uh, the contradictions that we that we create. Um, so I help people to you know to figure out what their what their contradictions are, um, and you know how to how to how to how to dissolve those so that um, yeah so that, that that their unconscious brain doesn't keep draining them of energy. Um, uh, you know another one kind of um, uh, sort of typical things like more kind of conscious brain stuff would be kind of like anxiety when people kind of like experiencing um, kind of like recurring intrusive thoughts I help people you know to learn how their how their conscious brain works how to how to improve their focus how to um, um, uh um, yeah, how to how to pick how to pick new thoughts that's kind of like it's often often people have this sense again when they're not taking control of the steering wheel it feels to them like their thoughts are in control of them and that's not the case you know we can learn how to take take control of our, our conscious brain um, and um, you know uh, uh, ADHD is another one where you know people kind of really have problems with kind of feeling very you know kind of distracted and difficulty um, you know concentrating maintaining focus on a specific uh, stimulus um, I can help them to understand kind of what's going on there and understand more about um, about how the conscious brain works and so forth so so for me again I've kind of gone on a bit of a roundabout a roundabout tour there but for me resiliency is about um, being able to take control of your um, own thought processes, um, and th it was you. I can't remember exactly what you said, but a little while ago, you, you mentioned you mentioned something about definitions, and th this. And I know that I kind of threw this one on you a, a few weeks ago as well. Like to me, resiliency really comes down to what our definition of mental health is mm. as well, and I think this is really 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 important um i think i did ask you what your definition of mental health was tom can you re can you remember yeah, what I you said i can't remember the conversation <laughs> yeah it's a tricky one though isn't it because we um we don't when it comes to mental health mental well-being mental illness we have these like really we talk in really broad strokes you know so i was having this conversation with um uh, someone on episode the other day how someone can say i'm struggling with my mental health and it can mean anything from like, I'm just having a bit of a tough time at the moment, all the way through to, you know, I need immediate psychological and medical intervention because I'm at risk. But it's the same saying all the way, all the way through, you know. Um, I, I always like to mention, I'm not quite sure what my definition of it is. I'd probably like to try and think of a really succinct way of summing it, summing it up. But um, I always do like to say that, you know, there's a massive difference between mental health and mental illness, you know? So I suppose, I suppose like, yeah, on the spot, we all have mental health, same as we have physical health, emotional health, spiritual health. It's like one factor of the overall picture of health. And just as if we let our physical health decline to a certain point, like you can get away with not looking after yourself for a while and then you would become physically ill. I would say mental health is is something we need to maintain like that. And if we let it slide and go to pieces, then we run the risk of becoming mentally ill. That's kind of how I would try and define it. 
on the spot. So what does it mean? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm I'm a pain, aren't I? Like that. No, my 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 point. I was. I know I have put you on the spot a little bit there, um. But I was exactly the same. You know, I. You know, I, you know. I worked in the field of mental health for so many years. I I wrote blog posts on what mental health meant. And when I look back, I did exactly what you just did there, and went, oh, this is a really complex nebulous topic yeah it's like we don't have the words that's how i feel about it it's like we don't have the exact words so this is what i understand now and um that most of the most people don't actually give you a definition at all they they start talking about effects of mental health um now which doesn't get to the cause in my opinion okay so um if if you have a definition of mental health um, that includes or implies the absence of mental health problems, then I believe that's treating people like robots. Okay. So, because what if, you know, what about those days, as you say, when maybe you do feel a bit anxious or you get a bit overwhelmed or you have an intrusive thought or as I like to say just have a bit of a wobble right does that mean that you are now mentally unhealthy no it means that you're human yeah okay and I find this fascinating even the World Health Organization they have a definition for mental health and it starts off it's a state of well-being thinks you're a robot because it implies the absence of mental health problems right okay okay. i believe that the definition of mental health is the ability to repair your own thought process okay Mm -hmm. so i believe that is what is the, the the cause of of our mental health now just if you just like kind of let that sink in for a moment, there's two things why I believe that this, you know, is the is the the non-contradictory definition for mental health. A because it allows for a full range of human thoughts, feelings, and emotions and experiences, and B because it puts you in the driving seat in terms of taking care of your own mental health. So people who are mentally healthy know how to repair their own thought process and they know how to help other people repair their thought process this is what you know i or one of the i feel like i'm on a mission about lots of different things but this is one of the things that really gets to the Mm. really gets to the core of it for me I want to help people to be able to understand how their mind and brain works and be able to repair their own thought process and have the skills and tools to do that so that they never have to come back and see me again, so that they never have to be reliant on, you know, a therapist or different medications or whatever it might be and they can go out and they can help other people to do that too. Once you can can you see how when you're able to repair your own thought process all this other thing that's really important these other things that are really important that people tend to talk about you know well 
if you've got mental health, then you're able to maintain your relationships, you're able to fulfil your potential, you're able to contribute to your community. Yeah, but those are all effects of being able to repair your own thought process. Right, yeah. Does that Yeah, no, sense? I'm with you there. It's yeah. like, yeah, <laughs> it's, getting, it's getting under the... It's going another level, isn't it? It's getting under the hood, to go back yes. to your car analogy. Yes. And, um, yeah, getting to the... So I suppose rather... Yeah, looking at the looking at the whys. So yes, it's good to do things to that make us feel good, to promote mental well being, you know, and to keep us happy and ticking over. But then he said like uh, if we continue to to struggle, we need to go beyond, you know, just I don't know, going for a run every time we feel down. <laughs> you know, like yeah. and work out why we're feeling down on a regular basis in yes. the first place yes right yes yeah yeah exactly um so that so that's my phase two kind of going back to your question that's my phase two that's what resiliency is to me it's being able to um to get to a healthy thought process and maintain it and being able to do that being able to do that for yourself cool so yeah that's my getting out of the whole step right yeah. and then the, the next step is finding your process for flow Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So we're out the hole. We're out the hole. We climbed out. We're on the edge. Yes. We don't want to fall back in. We know who we are. Know who we are. We already understand our uniqueness. We're resilient. Yeah, we're resilient. So now we're going to learn how to flow. Right. Okay. So, so, so essentially, um, what f what flow is, and again, this is just something that I don't see being offered. Uh, anywhere else in in psychology there's lots of people out there talking about flow being in the zone kind yeah, of being a in a flow moment, state it? it's yeah, yeah 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 loads of people talking about it and again describing the effects but as far as I'm aware there aren't any psychologists out there explaining to people how they can intentionally do that again I think that's where I'm different because I understand what flow is so it's actually toggling between t the, the the top two human thought processes uh, it's actually toggling between our conscious intelligence and our unconscious intelligence. Um, now, how I get into flow is going to be different from how the next person gets 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 into flow. Um, I feel like. I feel like everybody's, you know, kind of had experiences of being in flow kind of by mistake. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so so when we're in flow, this tends to be the times when, you know, we're doing something, we kind of, kind of, it's almost like we kind of become one with whatever it is that we're doing. Kind of time can seem to go, to go past really quickly. We feel really energised um, by it. And again, you know, often we feel, um, you know, like we're, there's that element of kind of it, it, it being connected to our true selves as well being connected to our uh, you know our you know who we are mm. um so yeah so i i uh, f help people to figure out what their unique process for getting into flow is and uh helping them then to to figure out a process for doing that intentionally doing that on purpose so they can um, so they can flow in in different areas of our lives. Um, so I've got my I know what my process is for flowing now. I do my process pretty much before I uh, uh, approach any task. You know whether it's doing a podcast, whether it's cooking a meal, whether it's my client sessions, whether it's you know when I'm out you know having fun with my daughter. I know what my process is for getting into flow, and I can do that on purpose, and I can help other people to do that as well. 
So, and it kind of combines these these two two elements. In this phase as well, I also delve further into a person's uniqueness. So, where we've got the kind of understanding of the core components in phase one, here I really help people to kind of get more into the nitty gritty of of who they are and what you know what lights them up, what you know what um, you know what energizes them. Yeah, yeah. Because although there are these seven intangible drivers, that kind of gives you your kind of starting point. Or my my mentor John says he's American. He says you know it gives you if you thought of it like your address, it gives you your city and state, whereas in phase three we're gonna help you get down to your house number and street address right like really drill down into it yeah like yeah, in, terms yeah, of yeah. in terms of your in terms of your uniqueness and there's different different things that i do i do a um a personal vision statement with people in this phase as well to really help kind of flesh that out mm. um understand their unique process for flow and then look at how then you know, kind of focus on the applications for doing that and when you put those things together Essentially, what you've got there is a recipe for high self-esteem, mm. um, and you know, you, you know, in this phase, you're you're not only not only now do you understand your uniqueness, and you you know, you're embracing it more and more. You can take ownership of it now, and when you're able to do that, any situation that crops up is an opportunity to be more yourself. Okay, yeah. so you know whether it's you know it could it could be you know it could be really challenging and difficult, but you know when you know how who you are and how to flow, I almost I also like kind of using the analogy of a jellyfish. I like to in this phase I help people to become jellyfish. Sorry, no people can't see me. I'm kind of like wobbling around like a jellyfish now. Um, but you you know you just you flow around obstacles that come up you don't get all your tentacles like tangled up in them and allow them to take you down again but you can only do that when you know who you are and you know your own process for doing that and when you can do that yeah as i said any any situation just becomes an opportunity to be more yourself to gain more energy um and to and to live out your purpose yeah. and that my friend is how we're going to get up the mountain that is you know how we're going to get to this place of high self-esteem yeah. that is where the real help happens yeah i mean yeah. it sounds like there's a lot there to un there's a lot there to unpick and i want to do it justice but i think as human beings we're on this this life's treadmill aren't we and we're sort of we usually find out too late that there's a lot of aspects of society that don't serve us very well and it is easy to find yourself going through the motions of life and yeah not knowing who you are i can only i can only talk about my own lived experience but that's exactly what what happened to me yeah and yeah that idea of being able to to find what lights you up what sets your soul on fire um that's really empowering and empowerment is really important i think when people are struggling you know because we're like because you feel like you've someone's took your the power away you know like when i was poorly i was like i was on a roller coaster there was no that bar that comes down to keep you safe that didn't come down you yeah. know there was no brakes i didn't even know yeah. if there was track you know it was just like everything was just out of my control i had no control of it whatsoever but the idea of getting some of that power back you know yeah. and being able to do some of the driving for yourself that sounds like that just sounds lovely to be honest, it sounds like a nice way to live. And so much of this seems to, it's kind of going like a step back is how I see it, Ellie, you know? So 
there's a lot of things that we know that are that are good for us and we kind of know why but it's more anecdotal but i like with this that there's like a system you know so there's a clear pathway and there's clear words that we can use rather than just like being vague and hoping that we understand yes. each other you know and that's that's what i really really like about this if you look at meditation and you know with meditation it's being aware of your thoughts but just witnessing them you know and you know you are not your thoughts you are the awareness and all that sort of stuff well that's kind of some of the stuff you've just you've just mentioned you know and yeah. um uh, i don't know like journaling to get get the thoughts out of your head and you know realize some stuff that you might have been thinking that you didn't really know that was in there and you know this it's all like behind that stuff isn't it you know it seems to be yes. like a, a deeper level to accessing some of those some of those tools we've got this is another tool that maybe digs a little bit a bit deeper yeah this it's this is uh, I, I just i just i love this about you so much tom i feel like that you 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 know through your own journey and through you know your own experiences i feel like you've naturally gravitated towards the kind of truth of what's going on and I feel like you know through your experiences you've naturally kind of come more and more into alignment with who you are um but you're you're absolutely right kind of some of the things that you're saying that yes all of these applications whether it's meditation whether it's journaling you know whether oh god I mean there's you know there's so many different different things yes they this is the thing that bothered me they work for some of the people some of the time and I could not understand why what was making the difference and then once you understand you know as you said this system for understanding uniqueness and um the thought processes you know this model for for the mind and brain it kind of organizes all those other all those applications so that you can do it on purpose so that you know right you know so you know just giving it with the journaling for example again that's an, that's to do with your that, that's really helpful because i mentioned about the uh, the unconscious brain so our unconscious brain it's an absolute powerhouse of information it's got accurate record of everything we've ever experienced wow. okay but it doesn't know what we're thinking doesn't know what we're thinking until we say it out loud or we write it down and it wants to know what we're thinking so so you know it and it communicates to us through feelings so say you have an unsettled feeling you can go right I need to um it, it's giving you that unsettled feeling because it wants you to share it wants to know what you think about a certain thing so that's why journaling can be really powerful because as you journal you're getting that info those thoughts down onto the paper your unconscious brain sees that and now it goes oh great that's what ellie thinks about that okay yeah, and yeah. then you'll you'll feel more settled by that you know so you know so now i'm like right now i know how to apply journaling for people in a way that's going to help them intentionally rather than just going i'll try a bit of journaling and see how you get yeah, on you yeah, know that's like, it. yeah so it we've does. got this we've got this very very useful tool but how can we use it in a way that best serves serves each individual person yes yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly exactly and and again you know the other thing that just really made me smile when you spoke then was that you said you kind of you said about this thing of it seems like it kind of takes involves taking a step back and that you just absolutely hit the nail on the head so you know a lot of approaches are very kind of 
conscious A to B effort forward. And again, I think I shared with this with you the other day. Actually, whichever direction we want to end up in, our first step ought to be in the opposite direction. And I gave the analogy of kind of, you know, when you're trying to build your muscles up, you know, kind of you're building strength. Your muscles don't just get stronger. You actually have to tear them down first and then your body you know miraculously repairs them so they become better they become stronger and it's the same with this stuff you know teach people how if we want to end up forward our first step always ought to be a backward step so you know how that works in terms of this is before you approach anything take a backward step into your uniqueness into who you are you know you can think like how can i you know how can i be more me in this situation and then and then you take your step forward and that's what that's what kind of powers us forward yeah yeah, yeah. no i love that i really do yeah and one of my favorite like self-helpy books is mark manson's um the subtle art of not giving a fuck. Have you read that one with the bright orange cover? No, I haven't. I'll lend it to you. It's really, really interesting. Okay. But one of the things he says, he he talks a lot in that book about authenticity and about values and about, you know, this way of of living more in tune with what you actually want. And one of his sayings, um, he says like when you get an opportunity or thinking about whether to do something, you know, you should always say basically if it's not a fuck yes, then it's a fuck no. You know, so we only do stuff we really, really want to do. And that's something I've really applied to my life as part of my healing journey is just to try and do a bit less of the stuff I don't really want to. So sometimes I might get offered a really good work opportunity and it's loads of money and it's going to help my profile and I have a really good thing. I think, yeah, but do I want to, you know, do I want to give up like, you know, two hours on a Monday when I could be with me kids and, you know, and I make yes. that decision. Is it hell? Yes. Is it, is it hell? No. Love um, that. But it's like, it's that sort of stuff, isn't it? But again, like I said before, it's behind that. So like, this makes me think, hell yes. Why does it make me think, hell yes? Why am I aligned with this particular thing that's, you know, makes me want to do more of it? And why do I not like doing that? Yeah. And then we can find other stuff in the world yes. that make, just chase that good feeling, chase yes. that, that, that energy, that flow. Yes, absolutely. And just I'm just going to loop it back to to the the server thing as well for you there as well that it's this difference as a server between feeling like you have to do something and feeling like you want to do something. That's another thing with servers that I just help them to focus on. Yes, they get energized by needs, but they don't, you know, helping them to get over this kind of superman complex if you like that you don't have to fill every need. Focus on the needs you want to fill. So for you, those hell yeses are the needs that you want to fill and the more you hone in on that the more energized yeah you're yeah feel. and i suppose we work out stuff like that and then you can start to um something i've talked about on the podcast before is like having quite strong boundaries that's yeah. i didn't used to have boundaries yeah you know and that's something that i've had to get used to it's still not easy but it's something that i've to really protect myself now is have very very strong boundaries about different things that I do and who I work with and that sort of stuff so again knowing yes. these things about ourselves we can bring in these other these other tools to support that 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 journey to being to being well yeah, yeah. absolutely 100%. oh mate I love that well thank you so much for walking me uh walking me through it that was um that was brilliant if anyone's listening and thinking yeah like you know that sounds like they'd like to explore more or where where would you send them where's the best place to go so um i have a new website 
<laughs> which I'm very proud of. So uh, people can can uh, find out more there. So uh, it's humanflowpsychologist.co.uk. Um, and um, if people uh, want to find me on Instagram as well, uh, it's at Dr. Ellie Harper. Oh, super. And is there like um uh, can someone, if someone's like curious, could they just go and do a little test somewhere? Can you do the flow test just online? Is it, um, is that doable? Yes, you, know? you can. Yes. So if you go to uh, flowcess.com um, and uh, on the menu, I think it's under intangible driver. There's a link there. There is a link there to the test um, and you can do that. And just like, uh, like you uh, said, you know, you, you get an email and then you get sent a, a links to a couple of videos, which explain more about it. Um, likewise, if anybody, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, wants to go through that with me, they're more than welcome to get in touch. Because um, I'm, I'm just kind of like la launching uh, human flow psychology at the moment, I'm also going to be offering um, a number of, uh, a limited number of free sessions over the next few months where we'll do a bit of a deep, deeper dive into the intangible drivers, pitch perspective and processing perspective. It's ja it's about an hour the session, but it's jam packed full of value. So if anybody would be interested in doing that, then uh, yeah. Oh mate, yeah, and I'll link all that in the the episode notes as well. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for your time today, mate. And also, like, thank you for your, um, yeah, just your honesty and your openness regarding like your own story as well. You know that I think that's um, there's a lot of power in in owning your story and owning your journey and yeah a lot of respect for that as well mate but thank you so much for coming on i'm really glad we made it happen no it's been an absolute pleasure tom i've yeah loved it a bit thank oh, you mate, Please like and subscribe. The space time.